Season 1, Episode 10, Forgiveness and Stuff. It's the holiday season in Stars Hollow, but instead of joy and merriment, there's lots of hurt feelings everywhere. The Gilmores are tested when Richard collapses at the Christmas party. But one thing's for sure, Luke is always there when you need him. Welcome to Stars Hollow. I'm your host, Rachel Foss. I'm very excited about my guest with me today. You may know him at The Vibe with Kai, and you may specifically know him as being forced on TikTok to watch every episode of Gilmore Girls and give them a review. Kai, thank you so much for being with me today. I'm so excited to be here. This is so, so exciting. When you wrote me and said, hey, do this, I could not turn it down. So I appreciate the uh, the opportunity. I appreciate the opportunity. <laughs> so Kai, I know your whole thing is, quote unquote, TikTok is forcing you to watch every episode of Gilmore Girls, which, okay. <laughs> uh, but can you tell us a little bit about your history and relationship with Gilmore Girls? Sure. Yeah. So to be completely honest with you, growing up, Gilmore Girls was not a thing that was in my household or in my neighborhood or amongst my friends or my family. I knew it was a show that existed. I knew something out there, but it's not something that I watched nor had any interest in watching. My family did not gather around the, the couch and watch Gilmore Girls. It wasn't a show that was built for my family are built for me. It's not, I'm not really its target demographic here. Sure. So I knew it existed, but I never really watched it at all. I did know, however, that it was a show that was mainly geared towards uh, white, the white demographic, specifically white females, right? Mm-hmm. So flash forward to 2020, where uh, I'm with my roommate Gia, uh, otherwise known as roommate lady. And I'm on my computer, you know, working on some stuff. And she is watching Gilmore Girls. At this point, I had never heard the Gilmore Girls theme song before. I, like, I had no idea. I just, she just happened to have it on the TV. So the theme, th- the theme song starts playing. And then I record her singing the song, right? <laughs> and and, I, and I, I think I wrote the caption, like, uh, what, what it's like to live with a white roommate or something like that. <laughs> So I record it and I put that caption up and I put it up on TikTok and it blew up. It blew, it blew up. It was, it, it instantly became one of the most, like one of my most popular like TikToks. Right. And okay. so people were like, well, why don't you just watch it? Why don't you just watch it? And I was like, I, I okay, sure. Why not? Right. And so next thing you know, I'm on a Gilmore Girls podcast talking about Gilmore Girls. <laughs> <laughs> wow. It's not about the journey. It's about the destination, I guess. (laughs) That is definitely not how I expected your journey to have began, but I'm so glad it did because it brought you here. Yeah. Yeah, And I've met so many great people because of it. And Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Oh yeah, exactly. (laughs) And and the really cool thing is that for those of you that don't know, like my whole shtick is like good vibes and positive energy. Right. So a lot of people that have come to me, via Gilmore Girls have discovered what I really do and what I really focus on and what my uh, what my whole mantra is. 
So it's really cool that they're discovering me that way and then staying with me because they learn that it's not just about the Gilmore Girls. It's about a a whole lot of stuff. And, And so that's been a real blessing you know, for me in my life. I'm definitely can say I'm one of those people because I obviously saw your videos about Gilmore Girls and then I started following you on Instagram and that's when I really saw your Instagram stories are so uplifting and they're just like, hey, it's a picture of me in the morning. Have a great day. And I look forward to it every time I see it. It's the simple things. You know, I I really do believe that moods are contagious. Mm -hmm. So if I could affect one person's day, then all of it is worth it. That's beautiful. I love that. And so today we're going to be talking about the episode Forgiveness and Stuff. And I am excited because this is a Christmas episode, but unfortunately it's not going to be airing until winter of 2021. But while we're recording, it is the week of Christmas. It's December 20th. Happy holidays. Um, Yes, we just ended Hanukkah and now we have Christmas coming up next. So we're right in the middle of the wonderful and lovely holiday season. So have you been doing anything fun to celebrate around the holidays? Nope. (laughs) I think the most festive thing that I've done so far is on my, uh, my my mother lives about an hour north of me. And so uh, I was driving to her house. It had to be at this point, maybe like 11 o'clock at night, midnight around then. And so as I was driving to her house, right up the street from her house, there's like this park and they decorated the whole park. And it's like this whole drive through experience with like lights and stuff and where you don't have to get out of your car. Uh, so I, I'm driving by. I'm like, you know what? It's open. Let me just drive through. I drove through it. It took like 10 minutes and then I left. That's the most festive thing that I've done because the things that I'm so used to doing, I have not been able to do because the world is on fire. Right. <laughs> Yep. But that's amazing. Actually, last night I was working on, I was just working at my desk and outside my window, I hear carolers and I think, what's going on? You know, I live in a really nice, quiet neighborhood in Chicago. So it's a quiet neighborhood, but it's still among a bunch of stuff. So you never know what's going to happen when you live in a big city. So I go for a walk because I want to see what's going on. I walk toward the train stop that I live next to. And there is Santa in in our little park. And there's rope around him so people can take pictures of him but not get too close. (laughs) And then there's a little dance studio. And the students from the dance studio are dancing the Nutcracker through the window. So people can stand outside safely and watch Nutcracker. And and I was like, what? (laughs) And it was wonderful. Yeah. Oh, that's really nice. You know, normally I would go to the ballet and see Nutcracker. I would. There's a lot of things I do in Chicago around Christmas. I live right outside of Philadelphia. So usually going into Philly, uh, you know, there's so much stuff to do, whether it's going like ice skating yeah. or looking at the lights or, you know, listening to carol- carolers like, like you were talking about just now, going to see a show. And if there's one thing that I learned about 2020, it's that 2020 is what you make of it. You mm-hmm. know, there's only so much that we can control. Mm-hmm. And uh If we focus so much on the things that we cannot control, then we're going to end up living in this shallow hole of uncertainty and sadness. But if you start to focus on the things that you can control, you know, like going outside where it's safe or or making the best of it, looking at the best of the situation, as hard as it may be sometimes, that's sometimes the better, you know, option. And and you end up getting this rush of, of joy that you 
feel like you've been missing for this entire year. That is so true. And that is a beautiful note to transition on. So are you ready to get started on our episode today? Let's do it. I'm excited. What are we talking about? Grey's Anatomy? Is that what this is about? So this is Season 1, Episode 9, Forgiveness and Stuff, written by John Stevens and aired on December 21st, 2000. The episode opens and the first thing we see is the community news board outside of Miss Patty's dance studio. There's a festive sign that says Christmas Pageant Rehearsal. Inside, there's lots of things happening. Patty needs the before Mary over here and the after Mary over there. And where's the other half of the donkey? <laughs> Lorelai is trimming Kirk's outfit. And is this scene foreshadowing? You don't know this, but because we'll see Kirk in a similar getup in season four. Right. And then I think it's, I guess it's important for people that don't know at this point that we're recording this, I'm only up to, I'm about to start season three. So I've only seen the first two seasons of this show. So anything <laughs> that happens after that. So just know that my ignorance for everything that I'm about to say is 100% real. I know nothing. Which is perfect. It's exactly why this is going to be so much fun. Lorelai looks over and sees Rory going through one of the trunks. She's trying to organize all the materials for the nativity and finds the baby Jesus has lost an arm again. She informs Taylor and suggests that maybe it's time we finally get a new baby Jesus. Maybe one that's a boy. This one clearly has a bow. Rory, stop forcing your gender norms on baby Jesus. If baby Jesus wants to wear a bow, let him wear a bow. That's such a 2020 thing to say, by the way. (laughs) Taylor is against it either way. Because that baby doll has been in every pageant since 1965. Also, that doll is definitely haunted. Oh, without a doubt. Without a shadow of a doubt. (laughs) They're trying to get everything done when Patty comes up because before Mary is about to become an after Mary, who else in town is knocked up? The Gilmore girls share another loaded look. Was this, wait, is this after her and Dean got caught in the, in the dance studio? Was Mm -hmm. this after that? Sure was. Yes. Okay. All right. Yes, yes, yes. Because let's not forget how we left the previous episode. Clearly tensions are still running high. I also love Rory's cardigan. It doesn't match her t-shirt at all, but I think it's very cute and looks pretty festive. I never noticed Rory's fashion as much as I notice Lorelai's fashion. I think, especially in season two, I think uh, Lorelai's fashion, like up here, like whoever costumed her in season two, get like I'm giving you a high five, a, a safe social distance high five because uh, I love I love it. Lorelai's outfits are are pretty interesting. They're not <laughs> super interesting because there's really just two outfits in this episode. But, I mean, in this scene, she's wearing a sweater with a glittery crown, which is pretty on point for her. Even though I'm closer to Lorelai's age, I would so much prefer Rory's outfit. That's just more my style. She's a little woohoo for me. (laughs) Actually, if I could choose, I would always choose Emily. I'm pretty into vintage, so I I really like Emily's looks most of the time. Sure, sure. Well, it looks like they're done for the day. So they walk out together, and as they walk off scene, in comes a cute little pup with the baby Jesus arm in his mouth. That's some great comedic timing. I appreciate that. <laughs> I remember, I think I watched this episode live. People were like, don't forget about the puppy. And I was like, I'm watching it. I'm watching it. <laughs> I get it. I'm, I'm watching the show, guys. <laughs> in the next scene, it's daytime, and Lane is running into the square of the gazebo to meet Rory. And what I want to point out is... Yes, it's winter. Yes, it's December, but it is bright green. Yes, the joy of filming in Los Angeles. 
Rory is very distracted. Lane guesses that it's because her and Lorelai still haven't made up. Rory responds, nope, it's still very Miracle Worker at my house. The Miracle Worker is a play, but also a movie from the 60s about Annie Sullivan's struggle to teach Helen Keller, who was born deaf, blind, and without speech, and she taught her how to communicate. I'm going to assume that this reference is specifically for the movie, because that just seems like something Rory and Lorelai would watch together. Sure, that makes sense. Apparently, Dean's new nickname is Narcolepsy Boy, because of the (laughs) falling asleep. Lane asked how Dean has been taking it, and Rory says she doesn't know because she hasn't talked to him since it happened, and that was four days ago. Well, the dance was on Saturday, December 9th. The next day when she was caught would have been Sunday, December 10th, so we can assume that this is now Thursday, December 14th. I don't know why they're not in school. Maybe this is after school, but it would should be dark, but, you know, there's... Time doesn't exist in Stars Hollow. Yeah, plot hole door. <laughs> Unless they just have like a really long Christmas break, which I suppose is possible. I don't know. That also seems like the kind of town that would give kids all for this reason. To, yeah. like, to, like, to get things ready for the holiday. You Very know, true. Like, They're like, hey, we have the Christmas pageant coming up. Everybody out of school. Right, right. And that would be perfectly okay for them. Well, Rory wants to change the subject, so let's talk about her holiday shopping spree. She got a mooing cow-shaped timer for Suki and cardio salsa tapes for Michelle. She also bought Dean the book Metamorphosis by Franz Kafka. I think Lane says it best. I think getting someone that you're in a new relationship with, a confusing Chekhov-Savlakian novel by Kafka about a man who wakes up and realizes he's turned into a giant bug is maybe not the best idea, especially not for Dean. (laughs) It's not surprising, though, that Rory would get him that. That's what Dean says first attracted him to her. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. But that's because Dean is is not like that. <laughs> she's she's doing the thing where she thinks she would enjoy it, but she's right. not thinking about the other person. Right, and and that sounds like a very Emily thing to do. Yes, it and like it runs in the family or something. <laughs> I actually talked a lot about that in the episode Rory's birthday parties because mm-hmm. Emily and Lorelai are shopping yeah. for Rory's present, but they are shopping for themselves, not for yeah. Rory. Lane suggests she gets him something specific for Dean, and you need to trust her because she spent a whole summer at Korean Bible camp. <laughs> now, again, the center of a star's hollow was super green, but we move over to the Independence Inn, and suddenly it's covered in a light dusting of snow. I, I don't think the people of Burbank know how anything west of Missouri well, works. <laughs> what's funny is seeing like, the mountains in the background. Like I'm talking like <laughs> mountains. The we're Hollywood also, Hills. Like, Medicare, right? <laughs> like, there's some hills out there. So we're at the Independence Inn, and Michelle is directing one of the employees trimming the tree to make it absolutely perfect and is, as usual, not being very helpful. The tree decorator is played by actor Rob Moore, whose first acting credit was on The Fresh Prince of Bel Air in 1993. One of my favorite shows. Yeah. And most recent, have you, did you watch the. The, the like revival special? yeah not, not yet but uh probably by the time that this airs i will have yes. <laughs> then we won't talk about it well lorelei is working when emily calls she wants to talk about the christmas party which is next friday which i think means tomorrow because this should be the 14th so tomorrow would be the 15th that's pretty early yes 
Lorelai says she probably has to make cocktails because of work, and so Emily uninvites her. This is a big deal to Lorelai because it's made clear that Lorelai has always had to go to this Christmas party, no matter what. She says that she was not even permitted to not attend the Christmas party when she was in fifth grade because she had the German measles. And I thought that that was really interesting that she had the German measles specifically because German measles are super, super rare. And they're most commonly in babies, like before one year. So the fact that she got them in 10th grade is quite concerning. Would it be out of her personality to say that sarcastically or facetiously? No, but I don't think that that's what happened this time. That's fair. That's fair. Because I was thinking something similar. Because like sometimes she'll just like say things. I'm just like, okay. (laughs) Yeah, I don't think that's what I think that she is just so shocked that she's just kind of like trying to like talk it out. Like, how is this possible? Like, are you really this mad about what happened? It's this far? Well, now we're back at the Gilmore house and the girls are now at least talking to each other again. The house is again covered in snow somehow, but I guess it's the next day. So maybe we can pretend like it's snow. A light busting overnight or something. Yeah. Yeah, you never know. The inside is also decorated pretty festively. There's pomegranates on the table and a snow globe and lights. Rory is wearing a very cute velvety festive dress, which is so 90s. I love it. I was so excited the past few years velvet has come back into style. I have been loving it. Anytime I see somebody wearing velvet of any kind, the only thing that I ever ever think of is uh, in the movie Coming to America, when they walk into the barber shop, and then one of the characters says, what is this, velvet? It's beautiful. (laughs) That line has stuck out to me for years and years and years. And now that it's like suddenly just like velvet, 2020. And I'm just like, oh, well, I'm going to have to say this line every day. Every day now. And people um, are not going to know what I'm talking about. <laughs> um, please do. I think a lot of people will know what you're talking about more than you think. I hope so. <laughs> Actually, my Christmas dress this year is a red velvet dress. Really? Yeah. So, same. See? Same. Oh. <laughs> yeah. I'm wearing the exact same dress. <laughs> I think I think I look pretty good. So we'll see. We'll see. It better not be the same dress as me or I'm just going to feel embarrassed. I'm just saying that we might show up to the same party wearing the same thing. I'm oh just my saying. gosh. One of us will have to leave. I'm just saying. It can't be both of us. <laughs> <laughs> they discuss how Lorelai should just let it go and come to the party anyway. Lorelai says she'd rather hold a grudge because it burns more calories. Just look at Emily. How do you think she got those legs of hers? I love that line. That's a great line. That's a great exchange. Rory is frustrated with her mother. She's being childish. Who the funk? As Lorelai says, I'm not pretending. <laughs> Rory asks if she wants her to put her name on the present as well. Lorelai says, put the innkeeper formerly known as her daughter. Lorelai is referencing both Prince and the holiday season. Prince, when he changed his name to the artist formerly known as Prince. And of course, the holiday season, we have the nativity pageant coming up. It's all intertwined. There's been a couple Prince references in this show so far, and that warms my heart because it's given me an excuse to just be like, so I could just randomly do that Prince noise that I know how to do. I try to work it into every conversation in which Prince is mentioned. That's a rule in my life. Wow, you have a lot of like mention rules. <laughs> I do. It's important. 
Rory reminded her of the Christmas apple tarts. Apparently, Lorelai loves them so much, she's made up song lyrics that talk about not being able to live without the apple tarts. I want to try these apple tarts because I don't think I've ever had an apple tart or pie that would make me want to sing about it. I don't have a sweet tooth at all. I never have. I, I don't. I doubt I ever will. I don't eat pies. I, I can't tell you outside of a pizza pie. I can't tell you one time in my life when I ever had a pie of any sort. Well, then you don't know if you like them because you've never had them. I legit might. But like now it's just a commitment. I'm like, can I go my entire life without eating a slice of pie of any sort? <laughs> I'm, I'm proud of you. <laughs> I do like baking them, but I don't necessarily like eating them. Pumpkin pie, but that's like once a year, and it has to have whipped cream on it. I, that's the one thing. I, I can't do anything pumpkin. I'm a, <laughs> I am not a pumpkin person. Pumpkin spice latte. I mean, just to remind you, I am a white girl, so, you know, pumpkin spice latte. <laughs> uh, thank you. <laughs> As we sit here talking about Gilmore Girls. Oh, uh, my God. Over at the Gilmore Maison, Rory has arrived for the Christmas party. Tony Bennett is playing in the background. And Rory, do you know Holland Prescott? Holland Prescott is played by Lisa Long. She's been acting since 1985. Some notable roles were in Designing Women, some soap operas. Later, she played Tasha's mom on Tosh.0 and was in one of my favorite series, Glow. Glow? Wait, they, they canceled that, right? It's they, not getting another season? They did. <laughs> right, I did hear that. Well, Richard and his work peer, Alan, are talking about Henry, and Henry is possibly becoming their boss one day. We know that isn't true because we know who is the boss later. Alan is played by Richard Fancy, huge acting list, acting since 1985. Notable roles were in What About Bob and played Lipman on Seinfeld. Rory tries to discuss what happened with her grandmother and shares how sorry she is for the mess she created in the previous episode after the dance. Emily, of course, hates discussing uncomfortable things and refuses to talk through these issues. So she ignores Rory's request and insists Rory go back and enjoy the party and take this drink to Gigi. Gigi is played by Marianne McGarry. Her first role was on Roseanne in 1989 and other notable roles have been in Mad Men and most recently the 2020 series Homecoming. So we know the guests of this Christmas party are Alan, Holland, and Gigi. Back with Lorelai, she's trying to figure out where the heck her pizza is. She's been waiting an hour, which maybe this is just me. Have I been phased? That seems pretty normal for a pizza. Um, I guess not for me. Like, I feel like an hour is a long time. I guess it depends. I'm spoiled because I live, like, literally right up the street from a pizza place. So, like, I can easily order it and then pick it up within, like, 20, 30 minutes. I think I'm at a disadvantage because I live in a big city. I think that's something that maybe I'm, I'm just used to it taking a long time because of that. I don't know. Maybe. It's a good point. Well, in the background, I hear Christmas rapping by the waitresses, which is one of my favorite Christmas songs. And she's just giving up. She doesn't know where her pizza is. She's not at this Christmas party. So she grabs a salad and pours dressing in the bag, sits down and look at the magazine. This is the saddest meal I've ever seen orchestrated before. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, you gotta do what you gotta do sometimes. <laughs> well, I want to talk about Lorelai's shirt really quick because it's super cute. Yeah, yeah. It says bowling and roller rink. Looks like something that I think would have come from one of my teen 
fashion catalogs when I was growing up, like Delia's. And I know that she shops from there because of her Paul Frank pajamas that I've mentioned before. It's very possible this came from like a Delia's catalog as well. Well, she's enjoying her magazine and sad salad when she hears a tap, tap, tap. She goes into Rory's room and sees Creep Teen Dean tapping on the window. I remember the scene, and I'll tell you why uh, I remember the scene. So the reason that I find it funny that we're reviewing this episode is because this was actually the episode that Gia was watching when I recorded her watching the show, singing the intro. This was the episode that she was watching. The only reason I remember that is because of this scene. At this point, I had never seen anything about the show. Everything was out of context for me. <laughs> so uh, outside of filming the opening, the very first Gilmore Girl scene that I've ever seen in my life is the scene that you're about to, about to describe. The very first scene I've ever seen. Wow. A weird introduction. <laughs> well, Lorelai goes into Roy's room and sees Creep Teen Dean at the window. Shouldn't you have a squeegee? Rory isn't here, but Lorelai will tell her that you tapped. Dean apologizes for what happened after the dance and asks Lorelai if he's public enemy number one. Number one, well, would you settle for top five? Because I'm still hot for that bomber who's been living in a cave. Lorelai is referring to Eric Rudolph. He was on FBI's 10 Most Wanted list after orchestrating several anti-LGBTQ and anti-abortion bombings between 1996 and 1998, and he eluded officials for years by hiding out in the Appalachian wilderness. He was finally arrested in 2003 and sentenced to life imprisonment without parole, and he still resides in Colorado prison. Keep it at light. I love it. That's <laughs> <laughs> I told you this this show gets so dark, man. Yeah, some of the references, I'm just like, because I all understand them. I'm like, most people don't understand this, but that's pretty dark. Yeah. That's pretty dark. (laughs) Lorelai and Dean always talk to each other in this very casual, peer-like way. And I think it's equal parts, Dean doesn't have a lot of respect for adults, and equal parts, Lorelai still acts and has the emotional feelings of a teenager. It's funny that you say that, because that is probably why... I was a little confused when I actually started watching the show of not at the time, not knowing what was happening next. First of all, I thought he was older um, than, than what he was when I, when this was the first scene I saw. Secondly, I honestly, and I'm not joking here. I thought that they were flirting with each other. Ew. I know. Right. <laughs> but but that, it's ill because like, you know, it in context, you know that he is 16 and that right. she's like 32, 33 years old. Right. Out of context, I had no idea what was happening or who those people were. So the way that they were going back and forth, I had I, I had no idea. And I was kind of like half paying attention. And I really honestly thought that they were flirting with each other by the way that they were just interacting with each other. Because it was very like childish mm-hmm. in a way. And I feel like the only time people do that is if they are flirting with each other. Well, when you watched it a second time and you watched the full episode after having the context, how did you feel about it? Completely different, yeah, because I had no idea what led up to that. Like, I know at some point during this, they talk about, like, you know, um, I want Rory to go to Harvard or something like that. And he's like, I only, if she doesn't go, it's not going to be because of me, you know, and like, things like that. And, like, it made sense, like, it made sense when I watched it like when I actually knew everything that led up to it. But in the moment when I did it, I'm like, what are these two talking about? (laughs) (laughs) What is going on here? 
despite that, Lorelai assures Dean that she does not hate him, but she did come up with 20 ways to remove his head from his body. Her favorite one was dull hedge clippers. Yes. <laughs> I actually liked this scene between, between those two because uh, I know that he was concerned about how Lorelai was going to perceive him after such event anyway. And so the last thing I wanted was for Lorelai to not like him. Because I like him. Mm-hmm. I'm one of the very few people, I know I'm still ignorant, but I'm one of the very few people, and I catch heat for this on TikTok all the time. I'm one of the very few team, like, diehard Team Dean people. <laughs> I'll, just, I'll just say, let's wait and see. I know. That's what people keep saying. That's what people keep saying. But here's the other thing. Here's the other thing. And here's why I, I kind of hold steady is because... For all the, like, there's a lot of people that are like, oh, just wait and see, just wait and see. And then there's a bunch of people that will DM me and will uh, message me and be like, I've watched the entire series and I'm still Team D. You know, like, I get a lot of messages from people like that. So I'm like, maybe I'm not crazy. Maybe, maybe I'm not. Well, to quote Richard Gilmore, one wrong man can always find a friend. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. Dean, I call Dean Creep Teen Dean on this podcast because I see him a lot differently as a cis woman who dates men. The bad things that I've experienced that I see in Dean, like the red flags that as a teenager in 2000, I did not see. So that's like, that's something that I do talk about. I don't think Dean is a terrible person. I think Dean is a teenage boy with a little bit too much aggression that isn't confronted and lives in a patriarchal society right and i am not i'm, I'm not gonna lie i'm not the biggest fan of Rory. i'm not I'm there's not, not a lot of people I, who are the way that you feel about dean i i feel about rory i feel like because from my my experiences with females like does dean handle himself well a lot no not at all but i feel like sometimes people try to justify rory's actions by saying that she's, oh, well, she's only 16, she's only 17, but they don't ever do the same thing for Dean. People are like, he's toxic, or he's, you know, full of aggression. But I think that I would choose, if, if I had a daughter, I, I would personally choose Dean over Jess, with the knowledge that I have so far. I want to talk to you when you have finished everything, including the revival, and yes. see how you think. We're in the square and we see some holiday bell ringers at the Lit Up Gazebo. They're playing the first Noel, but someone is not belling right. Lorelai is crossing on the sidewalk in the background and we turn over to see the bell ringing director. The director is played by Bob Rumnick. Acting credits go as far back as 1998. It was a regular recurring character on the show Weeds and more recently has been on TV series such as Baskets, Young Sheldon, and Black Monday. He calls out Henry for not ringing on three. This is the second Henry in this episode. Both of them aren't seen as pretty cool, so I'm starting to wonder if the writers or creators have like a vendetta against someone named Henry and they're lashing out in this episode. (laughs) Henry is played by actor Josh Harbour. Only a handful of acting credits, but a lot of cartoon writing credits. Most recently, My Little Pony. So the other handbell player is Chuck. Chuck is played by David Paul Weikart, I think is how you pronounce his last name. Only two acting credits, including this one, but a lot of film crew credits. So he still works in like the filming industry, just not as an actor. 
Henry still can't get his bell shit together. I'm telling you, they really hate these Henry people. <laughs> Lorelai walks into Luke's. We see a nicely, cutely decorated carrot cake on the counter. And y'all can keep that. I don't like carrot cake. I have a yep. thing about cream cheese frosting. Blech. I'll pass. Luke pours Lorelai a cup of coffee before she even says anything. He knows her so well, but he's doing it in hopes that she has finally forbid Rory to see the bag boy because he's trouble. <laughs> Behind Luke, we can see the mini board on what is available as today's specials. Today's desserts are assorted cakes. I assume the carrot cake. The pies are lemon meringue, apple, and blueberry, and you can order hot drinks, coffee, tea, or hot chocolate. I also want to point out how crackling and cracking the paint on the mug shelf above Luke is, because that's going to come up in a future episode quite soon. And I also love Luke's mug collection. I don't know if you have something in your town like this, but I've had a few restaurants that have been favorites of mine where they have assorted mugs that are, you know, pretty unique and fun and kooky. I used to live in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and there was a really good diner called Brandywine, and they always had kind of crazy mugs like this. So you never knew what kind of mug you were getting when you ordered coffee, and I absolutely loved it. Oh, wow. You know what? I I wouldn't be surprised. I live in a a small town right outside of philly but it's like a it's a small like little town called haddon heights it's like one it's one of those towns where it's just like one street like one main street where uh like and i live like right across the street from the post office and the grocery store there's a coffee shop there's like all this stuff um and now i'm curious i've never been to the coffee shop but i'm curious if i did i wonder if they have like special mugs you know like uh to the to the variety of what you're describing yeah i feel like it's pretty common in smaller like cheaper diners and cafes like that. Luke goes to get Lorelai a burger, but she stops him because she wants something a little more festive. This is to make up for the fact that she's missing out on the Christmas party. But the French Dijon mustard Grey Poupon is not going to cut it for her. <laughs> Lorelai explains to Luke why she's bummed, and Luke is explaining to her why she's bummed. Luke says, why would anybody celebrate Christmas two weeks early? So it is confirmed this is before Christmas, like I said earlier. It makes sense that this would be December 15th. Luke understands and supports Lorelai and how she's feeling because she comes there every damn day. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Back at the Gilmore Maison, they're sitting down for their Christmas party dinner, but Richard is not looking so hot. Actually, he's feeling very hot. I forgot to mention before, but I love Emily's look in this episode. Emily has this red and black fur festive vintage two-piece, and I love it. I'm very into that mature vintage looking style. I would totally wear that outfit, especially the way her hair is. It looks very 1940s, so I just love it definitely makes sense with her sense of style that we often find her in. And I, I hope you don't ever get offended when I say, like on my recaps, when I say that uh, sometimes she's dressed like Angela Merkel. I hope, <laughs> I hope that you don't ever get offended. Sometimes she is dressed like Angela Merkel. Richard is now getting very hot and tries to loosen his tie, which is also very festive looking. He gets up to turn down the thermostat because it's so hot and he doesn't come back. Emily gets up to bring him back to the table, but we, the viewer, cut back over to Luke's diner, and we see the Santa Burger! Yay! My favorite moment in the history of Gilmore Girls, obviously. (laughs) What were they thinking? 
Like, I get it. <laughs> it's an adorable thing. But that... <laughs> in, my, in my TikTok, I said that it looks like my friend Jerome that lives up the street from me. I highly recommend all my listeners watch yeah. Kai's video of this episode because it had me rolling. It's oh so funny. It was so funny because I'm pretty sure when they were writing this episode and when they filmed it, at no point were they thinking, oh, this looks like a black guy with a beard, right? <laughs> I'm pretty sure they were not thinking that. So, like, bless their heart. But, like, as soon as it popped up, by the way, I'm watching this live for all my followers, and I pushed pause, and I was like, what is this? <laughs> They're like, it's a Santa burger. I'm like, you don't see anything wrong with this at all? Nothing? <laughs> I was dying. I thought it was hilarious. And I gave it a voice and everything. I know you did. That's like, what's so funny about that video. <laughs> is that how I say it? Does I say it right, Lola? What's going on? You like my beard? Don't eat me. I can never look at that Santa burger the same way ever again. <laughs> But yes, Lorelai, Luke is so in love with you. He made you a very kind of scary looking cream cheese filled Santa burger. Yes. I don't like food that lo- food that looks like something scares me. I don't know why. This is going to be weird and sound completely irrational, but I can't eat a cake that is shaped like something. Yeah. Well, if it's shaped like a humanoid, things that are shaped like humanoids freak me out. Can't do it. Can't do it. I don't like it. But despite that love in his heart, she still can't have a cell phone in the diner. And because of their bickering, Lorelai misses the call. While this is happening, we see in the background that Luke has an employee, like a busboy. And it's commonly known that he doesn't have a lot of staff. And the future staff is usually a man of color, but this is like a young white boy. And I don't think we ever see him again. Right, right, right. But maybe it's just like a high school kid and he just worked there over the holidays. Yeah, I, don't know. I, I think I commented on that like when I first started watching the show. I was like, does Luke have, is it just him? Like cooking, cleaning, you know, waiting on the table, like all of this stuff is just him? <laughs> I guess he has holiday help sometimes. I guess so. Lorelai checks her voicemail after her missed call and Taylor comes in with some carolers singing Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Taylor asks Luke if they can sing carols for free hot chocolate. Luke responds exactly how you think Luke would respond. And we talked about this in the episode Love and War and Snow, how people always ask Luke for free shit. Yes, all the time. <laughs> but I also want to pay specific attention to when Luke says, I'll tell you what, you can pay for your hot chocolate and go next door and sing for the marshmallows. Now, this is a little bit of a mini spoiler, so I apologize. We know that in future Stars Hollow world, the space next to Luke's diner becomes an ice cream shop and candy store. But we also know that in the current realm of Stars Hollow world, the next door to Luke's should be a flower shop. And I don't know flower shops you've experienced are like, but in Chicago, I know a lot of flower shops here. They also sell candy and other gifts, you know, just random home gifts. It's not impossible that the flower shop would sell marshmallows or candy, but it's still a weird reference. I wonder if this is just like a little bit of foreshadowing about how this is, it's actually going to become a candy shop. I'm sure Amy doesn't think that yet. This is several years to go before it becomes one but i just thought that was interesting to point out where where are these marshmallows supposed to be but there's not much time to think about where these marshmallows are because lorelei is listening to her voicemail and it's bad news 
Lorelai's father is in the hospital. Oh no! Richard! Lorelai needs the number to a cab company, but can't remember the number. I think she's thinking of 1-800-TAXI-CAB, which was a national hotline established in 1999 to connect people to local cab companies. But it's really hard for me to believe there's a local cab company in Stars Hollow. I agree. (laughs) I agree. Luke offers to drive her, so he closes down the diner, lets everybody get their meal for free, and even lets the carolers have some free hot chocolate. Kind of reminds me of the previous episode, Love and Worn Snow, when he brings out coffee to everyone after his heart is filled with joy over Lorelai. And then he sees he sees her and Max, right? Uh, oh, yeah. Walking down the street. Heartbroken. Luke and Lorelai are driving to the hospital in Luke's truck, and Lorelai is commenting how slow he's going. But Luke is right. It's cold. It's icy. He's being safe. He has an old truck. It probably doesn't have four-wheel drive. It certainly doesn't look like it does. Lorelai's trying to get more information about what happened to her dad, but she can't reach Rory, and she's freaking out. And Lorelai is also trying to think of some good memories of her and her dad, but she can't. It just doesn't exist. I personally very much relate to this moment. I love my dad very much. I love my parents. I love my family. I have my own issues with my dad, and I had my own issues with him growing up. You know, he was born in the early 50s. He grew up in the 50s and 60s. He had his own issues growing up with his family. I think he was an amazing dad, especially based on what the universe had given him to work with. But my dad worked a lot in order to provide everything we wanted. So any any Barbie doll, if I wanted roller skates, all the sports I wanted to do, I was in band, if I wanted to do this, he paid for it. He took care of me. And he also came to every single thing I ever did. So all my band concerts, every sports game I played, everything. But he also wasn't there on New Year's Eve because he was working. Yeah. This show, as, as much as it's about motherhood, I think it often explores a lot about fatherhood as well. And this is actually probably one of the criticisms I have for the show. So far in the two seasons that I've seen, I think that sometimes they paint fathers in this negative light that I don't necessarily agree with. You know, people like Chris and uh, Richard sometimes uh, in some episodes where I'm like, why why are they making Richard be like this? You know, because that just doesn't sound right. It doesn't sound like a decent thing for him to do or say or believe. I think that sometimes I disagree with how Gilmore Girls portrays fathers in general. Interesting perspective. It's not something I've been thinking about, especially because in terms of my podcast, I haven't gotten there yet to like more dads. The only dad we really have met so far is Richard. Yes. One thing I always remind people is like when I'm watching it, like I'm watching it from my perspectives, right? So like there's going to be things that I view that may be different than what most people view it, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they're wrong, right? It just means that like I, I view it from from a different perspective because of how I grew up and what kind of person I am. So like it's hard for me sometimes to see that sometimes fathers are painted in this negative, dare I say, villainous light sometimes in order to get the point across about women. But I say that carefully because I do understand that it's about more than just that. This show is 
relies heavily on the the female plight and the female perspective on things, uh, which is a perspective that is often overlooked, especially when it comes to Hollywood and TV shows and film, where it's very male-centric, it's very male-dominated, specifically white male-dominated. So I totally get that side of it, too. So, like, before anybody freaks out and, you know, starts writing letters, I, I just hope you know that, like, I totally get that side of it, too. And sometimes when that happens, there is an overcorrection. Yes. This is a result of that. If we're going to have a show that has such strong female characters, they have to be on the side of not strong male characters. Right. Even like in 2018, 2019, 2020, films like Wonder Woman are, you know, really taken off because like you don't see that often and all of that. So, so I totally get that. Yeah. It's just hard to watch sometimes. And never apologize for your perspective. It's exactly why I have as many different kinds of people on here as I can. Like I said, I only have my perspective and I love hearing other people's. And it's not wrong. It's your perspective. Never feel bad about holding that back. (laughs) This heart to heart from Lorelai inspires Luke to take it up a notch and destructively starts speeding. Luke, that black ice did not go away, you know. <laughs> we cut over to the hospital and Emily is talking to a nurse played by Jane Lynch. Yes. I can't yes. believe I actually didn't write anything down about Jane Lynch. I think people should just know <laughs> how awesome she is. I agree, people should just know about Jane Lynch, but in case you don't know, she's been in prominent things such as Glee. And notably in one of my favorite roles as Sophie Lennon in another Amy Sherman Palladino production, The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. She also has a a role in a movie called uh, Role Models, which is one of my favorite underrated comedies with uh, Paul Rudd and Sean William Scott. Like, she's really funny in that. And she's also incredibly funny in, uh, oh, what's that movie? Um, Will Ferrell, Race Car. Talladega Nights? Holiday Nights, yes, yes, I love her. I love her to death. She's hilarious. She's also hosting the Weakest Link, the new version of the Weakest Link right now, too. Oh, that's right. I forgot that that was happening. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not really a fan of shows like that, but I think I would watch the Weakest Link with Jane Lynch. Yeah. Behind Emily and Nurse Jane is a holiday bulletin board that looks like it was made maybe from some child patients at the hospital or maybe like an elementary school made it for the hospital. It has a tree and it has a menorah and stockings over a fireplace and happy holidays and it's very sweet. Rory comes to comfort her grandmother. In the background, there's a man rifling through medical records on the shelf, which does not seem legal. That man is Joshua. And once he sees Emily, he comes over. Dr. Joshua Reynolds is played by Brian Evers. He was an active actor from as early as 1951, and his last acting credit is in 2003. Assuming that Joshua is the Gilmore family doctor, it... It's still not okay to just come into a hospital and rifle through medical records on the nurse station's shelf. (laughs) That's not how it works? No, I don't think so. I mean, I'm not a doctor, so I can't say for sure, but I'm pretty sure. They were looking at me weird when I went to the hospital. They were were wondering why I was was shuffling through. I'm like, I thought they were doing it. I thought it was okay for me to do it. He also just walks in through these doors where the testing and I assume surgery and stuff is happening, and that also just does not seem real to me. Well, I guess when you're rich and you have your own doctor, I guess you can just do stuff like that? I couldn't tell you. I have no experience. (laughs) 
Once again, Emily is trying to avoid talking about the real issues and diverts Rory over to getting a paper for Richard, the Wall Street Journal or Barron's. He'll want something to read when he gets back to his room. Since all three of the Gilmore girls constantly act like teenagers, Rory is so often left to be the caretaker and offers to get a coffee for her grandmother because she can tell she's not taking anything very well. Right. Despite how anybody feels about Rory, she is a very caring person. She is a caretaker, and she really does love and want to take care of her family. Yes. When she was, like, younger, but, like, before we get to see her in this series, like, there was plenty of times where she would have to be a lot more adult than most children her age would have had to have been you know her mom was out you know working or maybe she had to make her own dinner that's one thing that i think that i can relate to rory on which is rare for me to say i pretty much mention it in every single episode how rory always has to be the adult because lorelei isn't being the adult that's where i might disagree i do feel that yes rory does take an adult parental uh stance on, on lorelei sometimes but she also does it quite often <laughs> where she does do like these childish things mm-hmm. and Lorelai will be the adult and Rory will just be stubborn and not listen. So I think it kind of goes both ways. I wouldn't say that. I mean, this is just my opinion. I, I, I don't think Rory is the adult all of the time, but I think that she's the adult often. Yeah. Emily starts walking down a random hospital hallway, which also doesn't seem real. You can't just wander around hospitals, people. Behind her, you can see that these are like recovery rooms. And so you you just can't like walk around a hospital. But Emily is calling Lorelai's house. There's no answer because we know she's on the way. But Emily doesn't know that. So she's a little upset. Emily walks back over to the nurse's station where Nurse Jane says, Miss Gilmore, I need you to fill out some things. It's Mrs. Gilmore. I'm not a Cosmo woman. <laughs> Such a her thing to say, by the way. <laughs> and if you don't know what a Cosmo woman is, this was coined in the 60s when Helen Gurley Brown became the editor of Cosmopolitan magazine. She right. is the one who championed the fashionable and sexually liberated women that were known as Cosmo girls. Nurse Jane says she has to fill out these forms. And Emily, because she's so pleasant in a crisis, says, Oh yeah, what will happen to me? Are bamboo shoots involved? Some sort of dark, deep hole in the ground? Rats nibbling at my toes? (laughs) She's so extra. (laughs) Well, this is actually pretty surprising. Emily is referencing the movie The Deer Hunter. The tortures Uh Emily are describing are in the plot of that movie, and it's also the name of season one, episode four, The Deer Hunters. It's not a movie that I would ever think Emily would watch. Most likely not. I think that reference was a stretch. Luke and Lorelai have arrived at the hospital, but it looks like they're walking through a patient room hallway again, which makes no sense. That's not how hospitals are set up, but it's probably because they're lost. They're trying to find the right area where Lorelai's dad is. They're supposed to be following the blue line around the corner, but there is a straight blue line and a dotted blue line. Lorelai says, where's the scarecrow when you need him? Lorelai is referencing the scarecrow from the film The Wizard of Oz, where they, of course, have to follow the yellow brick road in order to get to the Emerald City. Lorelai is sure she can track down her family using family intuition. And just then she hears Emily yelling at Nurse Jane Lynch. (laughs) 
And the yelling that we hear in the background is Emily telling Nurse Jane that her great uncle founded this hospital. His portrait is hanging in the lobby. Of course, like that's the least surprising thing. Of course, like her great grandfather founded the hospital that they're in right now. Once again, that's some rich people stuff right there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's possible that my dad painted a hospital at one time, but he definitely <laughs> did not found one. Right. Lorelai comes over and Emily is surprised that she actually showed up. And they all just want to know how Richard is doing. Lorelai knows how to charm Nurse Jane, or at least coerce her. Lorelai wants to know what happened to Richard, but Emily just wants to know, why is Luke there? It wasn't a date. <laughs> I, I, remember, I remember this exchange. I remember liking this one. It's just Luke, Mom. <laughs> with, like... Because she starts, like, quizzing her about uh, whether they were, like, out on a date or something like that. <laughs> and then he, <laughs> she was, like, so quick to be like, no. <laughs> it's like, even when you know you're not together, you still want to just be like, okay. You didn't right. have to go that far. <laughs> I'm still a person. Well, no one knows what's going on. Emily doesn't know anything because everyone just keeps disappearing behind those doors. So Lorelai heads to the doors. Emily didn't know you could do that. That's one of the things that I love about Lorelai is that she's such a rebel in that regard that she'll just like go and do things sometimes just because. Lorelai is very good at doing something that she wants to get done because she knows she has to get it done and she doesn't think about it. She's like, does this have to get done? Great. We're going to go do it. I love that about her and she will always be one of my favorites because of that. Well, Luke waits in the lobby when Rory walks back up. He first makes sure that Rory knows that they weren't on a date. <laughs> but otherwise, he's being very sweet and perfectly comforting. He really cares about Rory. He does. Dare I say he's kind of like the father type figure that maybe she would need in her life. Like he's not into some of the things. He's not He's not book smart, but he's street smart. Right? And I feel like that is one of the reasons why I like him for both Rory and for Lorelai. Yeah, I agree. Well, Rory has the financial papers for her grandpa so that he can read something when he comes out of the testing room. But Rory just cannot handle waiting there. So she goes to get coffee and she's going to bring Luke a peppermint tea. Emily has secured Richard the best recovery room, but she insists on finding him some down pillows and nicer slippers. Luke is having a hard time. He really does not feel good in hospitals. Lorelai says he doesn't have to wait. He can go home because he doesn't look so good. She doesn't mean it like that because, you know, you always look good, Luke. <laughs> oh, yeah? She I means healthy, that. everybody, okay? Lorelai means healthy, of course. Nice recovery, Lorelai. Didn't work, <laughs> though. But that's a pretty cute moment. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was a bunch of good... There's a lot of good like one-on-one -on -one moments with some characters in this episode specifically that we didn't get to see before. Mm -hmm. That is really nice. There's one in particular that we'll talk about in a, in a bit, yeah. Well, Richard finally comes out. He's done with his testing. They take him to his room. I guess this is the good room with the better view. Lorelai is avoiding going in to see her dad, so she says she has to find everybody. Emily shows up. Rory comes, and the coffee machine was broken, so she got chicken soup and Pez. Which... Quite the combination. Oh, especially because uh, I don't recall ever seeing Pez in a vending machine. Am I've I wrong there? I've never seen it. Maybe that's an early 2000s thing. I don't even remember it back then, but hey. Well, <laughs> for those who forgot Pez's pretty flavorous sugar tablet, 
that came right. in really fun cartoony dispensers, which is why I, I don't know why that would be in a hospital. Despite that, Lorelai is still too scared or nervous to go in to see her father. And Luke can see right through her. So he says, who are you going to try to go look for now? How about Jimmy Hoffa? That'll keep you busy. (laughs) Jimmy Hoffa was an American union leader of the Teamsters from 1958 to 1971. He had links with organized crime, a.k.a. the mafia gangsters, and in 1975 vanished on his way to meet some mafia leaders. He was declared legally dead in 1982. Despite various claims, nothing has ever been proven on what happened to Jimmy Hoffa. They made a movie about that recently, directed by Martin Scorsese, starring Al Pacino and uh, as Jimmy Hoffa and Robert De Niro. It was called The Irishman. Is that the one that like won an Academy Award? Yeah, it won a couple of them. Because I heard that movie was really bad. It was very long, like three hours and 45 minutes long. Like it was long. Lorelai doesn't find Luke's quips very funny because she's having a hard time. So she makes the excuse that she's going to go look for coffee wherever it is. It's somewhere in this hospital. She just needs another way to avoid this situation. We're inside the recovery room with Richard. Rory has read him all of the Wall Street Journal and is now reading the Financial Times. Year-end optimism in recent earning reports have pushed shares of the telecommunication giant above $65. However, some experts say that the stock is dangerously overpriced. That was good. (laughs) (laughs) But I am curious what stock they're talking about. Emily wants to spend some alone time with Richard, so Rory gives him a hug and leaves the two of them to chat. Now, this is definitely a scene that you mentioned that is pretty sweet. Emily couldn't find the down pillows, but she found some better pillows. Richard wants to get down to the serious business of what's happening. But as we've seen many, many times... Emily does not enjoy discussing real-life issues, so she is avoiding, avoiding, avoiding. Richard is trying to prepare her in case she needs to know where these important financial documents are. Richard tries to convince Emily to take it seriously and listen. Emily, if I die, no! Emily refuses to accept that Richard could die in this hospital today, and she Mm -hmm. says, in fact... I demand to go first. And now in 2020, this line definitely hits me a little differently and a little harder. Edward Herman passed away in 2014. But one thing is clear, Richard and Emily love each other very much. I'm not the biggest fan of them, like as in like their characters, right? Mm -hmm. But I do enjoy their love for each other. Especially in the moment that we're talking about right now, where like she's like, no, no, this, we're not going to talk about this right now. They probably should. <laughs> Let's be real. They probably should. Like, I get where Emily's coming from, but like, I mean, you should, you should, probably, you should probably talk about it. <laughs> they should have had a conversation in front of a lawyer while they were organizing this information. Like, yes. my, my best friend is the estate holder if I die. So mm. she has a copy of my will. She has a copy of the documents that have passwords. Mm-hmm. I'm 35 and I'm not married. This is something I've already taken care of. Emily and yeah. Richard definitely have had this taken care of before. It, yes. <laughs> Apparently, Lorelai did not believe Rory when she said the coffee machine doesn't work because she's still trying to make the coffee machine work. We hear John Lennon's Christmas song, Happy Christmas, War is Over, in the background. I really like that song, but I'm just going to say it. I'm going to confess something to you right now. 
Ooh, exclusive. I'm ready. I prefer Neil Diamond's version because it's the version I grew up on. That is perfectly fair. Lorelai tells Rory that she had a visitor tonight. It was Narcolepsy Boy, a.k.a. <laughs> Creep Teen Dean. <laughs> Let the record show I do not support that nickname. <laughs> I do not condone it. So I just want to make sure that that is on the record on this podcast. <laughs> it's been recorded. It is stamped and filed. <laughs> Lorelai and Rory finally talk about the issues that's been going on between them. Lorelai says that there are only two things that I totally trust in this entire world. The first is the fact that Lorelai is possibly racist and a xenophobe. Oops, did I say that out loud? I mean, the first is the fact that Lorelai will never understand what Charo is saying no matter how long she lives in this country. Wow, wow, that was some shots fired stuff right there. <laughs> that's a that's a that's a conversation for another podcast, isn't it? Like I get it, it's a different time period, like twenty years ago, but like to me, I'm like I was also alive during that time period too. And like I even back then I wouldn't have said it. Mm-mm. So like <laughs> I'm like, oh, is that where we're going? Is that what we're doing with this? <laughs> you know, this isn't really a spoiler, but in season seven, you'll come across an episode in which Lorelai is basically doing yellow face, a.k.a. they're being Asian. Oh, no. Oh, boy. Oh, I can't wait for that because you know me. So <laughs> <laughs> There's a reason why I'm doing this podcast. It's not just for fun, but it's also for revenge. No, I'm just kidding. I mean, again, there's things to talk about, you know. And, and Charo, she's not even a woman of color. She just speaks a different language. She's Spanish. Right. She's from Spain. Right. But she's still making fun of someone who doesn't speak English. That is still a part of xenophobia. Yes. Charo is a Spanish-American actress, comedian, dancer, and musician. She was super popular in the 60s and 70s and was known for being very flamboyant and exuberant and had a very heavy Spanish accent along with her meaningless catchphrase, coochie coochie. But the second thing that she trusts in this world is Rory. Rory promises that nothing like this will ever happen again, but Lorelai assures her to not promise that because she is her daughter. Remember, things happen even when you don't mean them to. And boy, oh boy, do we have that to look forward to for Rory. Oh, man. (laughs) I'm not ready. I've been watching it for 20 years and I'm still not ready. Lorelai and Rory have buried the hatchet. So Lorelai asks how the Christmas party was, or specifically, how are the apple tarts? Rory says she didn't make them this year. Of course, Rory is lying in order to make her mother feel better. Emily comes out of Richard's room and sits down next to Luke. Luke is trying to be supportive, but Emily's having a hard time. Emily is holding on to Richard's Brooks brother's tie, and Luke tries to comfort her by telling her he understands. He did the same thing with his dad's store after he died. He turned it into a diner, but he kept all that stuff on the walls. This is the first time we hear this story about Luke's dad. Like, we hear about Luke's dad in previous episodes, but this is the first time it's kind of explained why Luke's diner has all this hardware stuff around. Emily wants to make sure that despite whatever it is that Lorelai may have told Luke about her father, that he knows Richard is a good man. That's what she told him. Well, now that that's over, Emily wants the truth of what's really happening between Luke and Lorelai. Luke assures Emily there's nothing happening. They're just friends. Emily assures Luke that they're both idiots. (laughs) I mean, she's not wrong. 
Emily goes to watch her face and Ro- and forces Rory to come with her for some reason. Maybe she wants Luke and Lorelai to have some alone time? Maybe. That's, well, I think that's what they're alluding to, perhaps. Yeah. I think so. Lorelai finally builds up the courage to go in and see her dad. She walks in and sees him lying in bed. They look at each other in silence and they have a very touching, silent moment that you just have to feel as the audience member. But it's very short-lived. As seconds later, Emily storms in with Rory and Dr. Joshua. They found out what happened. It was a touch of angina. Angina is a chest pain or pressure in the chest caused by not enough blood flow going to the heart muscle. Typically, angina is brought on by overexertion or stress, which definitely makes sense for Richard. He'll be fine, but no more red meat, no more heavy desserts, and he'll have to start exercising, and golf does not count. Richard gives Lorelai a soft smile, and that's enough for now. She goes back out into the hallway and is not able to hold back tears any longer. Luke is there for support. He doesn't have a hanky, but he was able to track down some coffee from the nurse's lounge. Lorelai wants to be there to support her parents and especially her mother right now. They've both let their guard down a little bit, which allows Emily to ask if she wants to grab a bite in the cafeteria. They're both playing it off like it's no big deal, but it's a pretty good moment for them, especially because we know that they've been upset with each other since the last episode. It's the next night, back in Stars Hollow. We see the lanterns lit. Folks are gathering in the square for festivities. Luke is cleaning up the diner. And we hear the song, Thanks for Christmas by XTC playing in the background. Now, I've talked about XTC a lot because it's in the show a lot. It's in several episodes and it's a band that I do not like or care about and nobody has ever heard of. I've never heard of this band. Exactly. It's brought up several times in the first season. And I always thought, why the hell is this band brought up so many times? And I assume that the writers or Amy just must really, really love this random, generic sounding 90s band, Mm -hmm. XTC. However... I actually do know this song. I know this song pretty well. This is kind of like a Christmas song that I've heard in retail shops and things like that. I never knew it was by XTC. So now I've always thought, who the hell is this band XTC that keeps coming up in Gilmore Girls? Right. This is the first time I actually recognize one of their songs. What's the name of the song? Thanks for Christmas. Thanks for all the loving that dun, 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 dun. Does it sound familiar? I don't think so, but I did save I, I did just save it on my Spotify, so I'm gonna listen to it. Well there you go. This. It's like not something that I would ever put on a Christmas list, but I know it from like when you walk into a store around the holidays, it's it's usually cool. on that kind of playlist. Well, yeah, like that kind of yeah, I get that. Behind Luke, he still has the same specials that I mentioned a few episodes previous. I am still on Luke's special board watch. The specials mm-hmm. are still chicken pot pie, BLT for $2.75, hamburger and fries for $4.50, and key lime pie for $2. Yes. Lorelai comes in. Luke asks how her dad is doing. He's doing a lot better, but most importantly... Lorelai brought him a present. It's a new baseball cap for Luke. This is the hat episode. When he, oh, that's right. So much happened in this episode. Yeah, this is the episode where we see the baseball cap. We will now see this cap from here on out in the series. The hat that he's currently wearing is just this light-colored random baseball cap, and we'll never see it again. 
because from here on out, it's Lorelai's cap. Lorelai notices that they're about to start the practice rehearsal of the pageant procession outside. So she asks Luke to turn off the lights and they have a moment. Is this, is this when uh, she walks up to the window and she like opens the blinds and then they both are just looking out? I do remember this. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. And just looking at them side by side, they just look good together. I agree. I think in my recap, I even said something like, oh, I shipped these two. I totally shipped these two <laughs> or something like that. Yeah. Because like it was a good moment. And that's it. Honestly, to date, once again, I like I'm just going to be starting season three today. But like this is my favorite episode. That's great. And this gives you a chance to kind of, you know, share more, elaborate more on your feelings because you yeah. can't on your, you know, 30 second yeah, TikTok you'll, you'll video. 60 seconds. Right. <laughs> So here we go. Do 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 do. Now it's time for the arts and entertainment shelf. This is the segment where we discuss the movies, book, music, and TV referenced in each episode. In today's episode, the movies referenced were Miracle Worker, Wizard of Oz, and The Deer Hunter. Have you seen either of these movies? Um, I, I have definitely seen The Wizard of Oz, but once again, where I grew up, where I grew up more with The Wiz than The Wizard of Oz. I've only seen The Wizard of Oz once. Like, but like, once again, like when I grew up, like, like it was The Wiz for me. Like that's how it was introduced to me. And since then, I've actually been in a production of The Wiz and I, I directed the show twice. And I've obviously read the book, you know, that, that all this is based upon. I guess it's just been different for me. <laughs> but I have seen the movie and I have seen Deer Hunter with Mr. De Niro, uh, Christopher Walken. Wow, it's a great movie. You got here. <laughs> I do like this movie. And I also don't rewatch things. Okay. So like when I say like I've only seen it once, like that's pretty normal. Even my favorite movies, there's a couple of favorite movies of, of, of mine. I've only seen once or twice. Mm-hmm. Well, I have seen The Wizard of Oz. I have seen The Wiz as well. And I have seen Miracle Worker. And I I remember because I actually watched Miracle Worker in school when we were reading about Helen Keller. So that was like a school movie. And I very specifically remember from, and I still think about this, the only thing I remember from that movie specifically is at the very beginning when her parents are finding out that she's deaf and blind Mm -hmm. and they're standing over the cradle and the dad is like slapping his hands in front of the baby because when I was first watching it as a kid, I was like, is he hitting her? That always sticks in my brain when I think about that movie. I don't know why. My first experience with that story was when I saw a staged production of it at a local theater by me, you know, years and years and years ago. And I was familiar with the story. I knew that there was a movie, but I did not know details of it until I saw the stage play. And then once I saw the stage play, I ended up seeing the movie sometime later. Oh, that's interesting because, you know, like I mentioned before, it is a play and a movie. And I just made the assumption that it was the movie that she was specifically referencing. I would but... imagine so. I would imagine that's what she's referencing for sure. But yeah. that's cool that you know it from the play. Next on the shelf is books. The book referenced in this episode is Metamorphosis by Franz Kafka. And this is a book about a man who wakes up in his bedroom, but he has somehow, for some reason, been transformed into a giant bug and the whole book is about him going through his thoughts about what has happened and it's very it's like the quintessential existential book right 
I, I've never read it, but I remember in college, my uh, a couple friends of mine, they had read it. I have never personally read it, but I remember people talking about it when I was in college. I'm also a cartoonist and mm-hmm. I do comics. I spent a year in Vermont at the Center for Cartoon Studies. One of the people I had the privilege of meeting there is a comic artist named Rob Sikorak. He has a very popular comic out of Metamorphosis by Franz Kafka, except he did it in the style of Peanuts. So it's Charlie (laughs) Brown, who has turned into a giant bug. It's called Good Old Gregor Brown in reference (laughs) to the novel. You can find this online. Just Google Rob Sikorak. metamorphosis i highly recommend it i feel like it's a really great way to be introduced kind of maybe easier to understand you know it's pretty pretty normal reading i feel like in literary circles right i would i would love to read it um there's so much on my list that i've been wanting to read and like it's not necessarily at the top (laughs) nor should it be (laughs) i'm just gonna quickly mention tv because There are no TV references in this episode. How dare they? So the last on our shelf is the music. The music referenced or played in this episode is Santa Claus is Coming to Town by Tony Bennett, Christmas Wrapping by The Waitresses, Do They Know It's Christmas by Band-Aid, which is a super uncool, not PC song anymore. Wonderful Christmas Time by Paul McCartney, possibly my least favorite Christmas song of all time. That's your least favorite Christmas song of all time. Because really? because I did work in retail, uh, and I had to listen to that song all the goddamn time. Well, that yeah, okay. So it's not it's nothing to do with the song itself. No, I I think it's a bad song, but it's a bad <laughs> song that I was forced to listen to twenty times a day for well, that's three a years. Double win. Next is Happy Christmas, War is Over by John Lennon and Yoko Ono. And Thanks for Christmas by XTC. Which is the one that I'm going to listen to as soon as this is done. There you go. Yeah. That's the plan. Do you have a strong feeling about any of these other songs other than the XTC song? I, so, okay. So, well, first and foremost, let me just say that I hope people don't think that I'm a Grinch when I say this, because I'm definitely not. I don't Uh mind Christmas. I literally have a Christmas tree sitting right next to me right now. Uh Uh-oh. But I do not go out of my way to listen to Christmas music. Okay. That's not not wrong. Sometimes it gets a little oversaturated, and it takes me out of the Christmas spirit more than it puts me into the Christmas spirit. I started watching Christmas movies in May and in July, so, like... (laughs) Normally I would not do that, but I did that this year. I can't. I I had to have something good happen to me. So Christmas movies and music was it. But normally I'm with you normally. Because I love Christmas so much, I don't want to ruin it for myself. So I try to make sure I limit it to this very specific time. And like after Christmas, lights lights are off. I de-decorate. Christmas is over. Right, at midnight, right. you know, I'm I'm also very much like that. We'll see if that happens this year because again, we'll see what happens. Yeah, is in fact on fire. Exactly. I mean, I I have some strong feelings about liking some of these. I mentioned preferring the Neil Diamond version of Happy Christmas. Right. And I do like Christmas rapping, which if you don't know that song, you might appreciate that song. The very first lyrics of that song is Bah Humbug, but that's too strong. This is my favorite holiday. The song about how she's just, they're just tired and they're just like, we just don't want to deal with the holiday stress. So like, I like Christmas, but Christmas can go fuck itself. 
You know what? Bah humbug. Bah humbug. <laughs> I sound like a Scrooge, but I don't mean to. <laughs> no. <laughs> I just added Christmas wrapping. Who's it by? The waitresses. It's on my list. It's it's officially written down. So Good. It's written down. I mean, it's, it's going to happen. So. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Well, this has been such a great episode. Um, this has been so much fun. You have been an amazing guest. This I've laughed. I've cried. <laughs> I want to thank Kai so much again for being with me today. If you've enjoyed listening to Kai and you want to see more from him, find The Vibe with Kai. You can find him on Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook. He's known in the Gilmore world for doing these Gilmore Girl show reviews on TikTok and he posts them on Instagram as well. But also you can just go to him for the good vibes. He's a very positive person. He's a wonderful light in this world um, that we definitely need, especially right now. I appreciate that. And like I, like I said, 2020 is what you make of it. And not just this year, any year, because we all go through some stuff in, in our lives, no matter what the year is, no matter what, whether there's a pandemic outside or not, we all go through some stuff, you know? And so your year is what you make of it. Your month is what you make of it. Your day is what you make of it. So make the most out of everything that you're given. Be Continue to be blessed and continue to uh, uh, count your blessings and, and be grateful for the things that you have and celebrate those small victories because I promise you it'll add up and you will be a happy person. This has been Welcome to Stars Hollow, the podcast. For more episodes, make sure to subscribe to Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. For extra fun, find us on Instagram at, at Stars Hollow Pod. Hold on. Big truck driving away. Okay. Sorry. I'm recording right in front of a window and I also live underneath the airstrip to Chicago's airport. So it's oh, always I live, loud. I live, I live next to a major road as well. And the Philadelphia airport is right <laughs> yep. there. So we, we and I also have a train behind me, you know, Chicago, it's loud, whatever.